I am the law. I'm Evan Cote. And with me is Marissa Walter. How are you doing, Marissa? I'm doing very well. How are you, Evan? I'm I'm doing fine. You know, we've been doing this for over a year. You we always stress off... me out about the greeting. We, we, I get so nervous. We started out, you were so robotic <laughs> with the greeting, eventually got better, and, and now you're... You know, I think it's because you only you become robotic with the greeting whenever we haven't recorded for a little bit. And so, you know, we, we didn't record last week, and oh, so... I... You put all this pressure on me to, to have some, like, grand response to how are you doing. No one even cares. You're just saying hi. You don't even care how I'm doing. You just say I'm fine. That's all. Why can't I say I'm doing well? I am doing well. How are you? You sound like Mark Zuckerberg, right? Anyway, I don't want to get into it. <laughs> so, um, before we get started today, it's that time of year again, folks. It's the start of the NBA playoffs on Saturday, tomorrow. Woo-woo! I'm super excited. The Cavs are a four seed this season, which means they are in the middle of the pack of the um, of the playoff teams. Um and so they're playing the Pacers the first round. Marissa, do you think the Cavs will beat the Pacers? Yes. Okay. The second round, the likely second round opponent will be the number one seed, the Toronto Raptors. Marissa, do you think that Cleveland will beat the Toronto Raptors? Yes. Okay. And then the likely Eastern Conference Finals opponent. It's actually that the other side of the bracket's pretty contested. So who knows? But it, my feeling is it's likely going to be the Philadelphia 76ers. Marissa, do you think the Cleveland Cavaliers will beat the Philadelphia 76ers to put LeBron and James into the eighth consecutive NBA Finals? Absolutely. Okay, and then their likely opponents either going to be in the Finals would either be the Houston Rockets or the uh, Golden State Warriors. Do you think that Cleveland can beat either of those two teams? Absolutely. You're not concerned at all about this uh, Tristan Thompson cheating on pregnant Khloe Kardashian thing in which he got booed at home on Wednesday for? No, I think Khloe Kardashian has been a bad influence on Tristan and he'll probably be a better player if like they're on the outs. All right. Um, okay. So <laughs> with that glowing, glowing, um, uh, just absolute, um, I'm blanking on the term, but at, <laughs> advocating for women's rights and ensuring that women don't get blamed for the actions of men. Uh, <laughs> we'll go ahead and move on from, from that. I mean, there's no, no follow-up to that. <laughs> we just set women back so many years. <laughs> Our hundreds of listeners are going to be so sad when they hear you. <laughs> uh, okay, so our first topic of today is... Uh, Stan Lee. So I think we talked about him on the podcast a few months ago. We did. Perhaps not. But he there was a story that came out that because he suffered some sort of health crisis. And um, so he was at a living facility and it was being reported that he was sexually harassing all the nurses. Um, <laughs> and... I'm sorry for laughing at that. It's just... I know it's 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 strange that a 95 year old white man who's rich yeah. would uh, and famous would sexually harass people. It's, yeah, it's the weirdest thing. It's, it's just so unheard of. Um, anyway, so he's been back in the news the past month or so because there's been more and more reports coming out, somewhat disturbing reports of um, 
people in his life taking advantage of him. So he has this close friend, I can't remember their, their name, um, who is his handler. It sounds like they, they have his power of attorney over everything. Um, there's his daughter who runs their um, this business that they set up to sell Stan Lee's memorabilia. And then there's their attorneys um, that are all the players and, and purportedly taking advantage of Stan Lee. Um, this first came to light because Stan Lee's ex-attorney wrote a letter highlighting these people saying they are trying to take advantage of them. Um, the business to sell Stan Lee's memorabilia, his, like I said, his daughter's in charge of it. She claims that there's been no income from this business, yet what they're selling is stuff they already own so there is no there is no cost to them there's no overhead yeah. how could there and, be no income and they've sold items they it's publicly known they've sold items so they so essentially what's happening is she's just pocketing those funds um there was a report i think 2 weeks ago that someone stole stanley's blood and then used his blood to sign autographs and then sold it at a comic con which is a little weird like i don't know why you need to steal his blood to sell his autograph, like yeah, that's just... what I mean. I don't. Who buys that? Who who's in that market? Who's like, you know, some people, some people, they like they like autographs of celebrities. Some people they like photos of celebrities. Me, I want blood of celebrities. Like yeah. it's weird. <laughs> it's weird. So, in any event, it's likely this friend, um, that his handler that took the blood and then you know sold it. Um, and depending on how they, they took that blood, that can be seen as potentially physical elder abuse. There's definitely financial elder abuse occurring. Um, in any event, with all these uh, reports being made, uh, Kevin Smith came out and offered for Stan Lee to live with him and that he would pay to take care of Stan Lee the rest of his life. And uh, seemingly because the timing of things... Uh, that was reported like on Monday and then on Wednesday Stanley recorded a video saying he's not being taken advantage of people that say that he's being taken advantage of um, are going to be sued because of the statements they're making about him and the statements they're making about his close and dear friend who's definitely not taking advantage of him and then that video was sent to TMZ the weird part though is that video is trademarked by that friend that is taking advantage of him so um I just kind of wanted to use this as a jumping off point to talk about financial elder abuse in general and why it's difficult to bring a financial elder abuse claim during an elder's life. Uh, this is a perfect example. There's very obvious and disturbing abuse being made against Stanley. It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's clear. He's 95 years old. He doesn't have all of his mental faculties about him. He's, his wife just died last year. Oh, really? Um, yeah, and he just had a recent health scare. I mean, there's, there is... Um, this is the exact scenario that old people can... Sorry, my dog just walked in to my my office, and Marissa can't stop laughing at her. Anyway, um, so this is a situation that's ripe for taking advantage of an old person. And the problem is old people, you know, sometimes they don't... Sometimes they know they're being taken advantage of, but they allow themselves to be taken advantage of anyway. Some people just don't think they're being taken advantage of. Right. And they, you know, it's very, I mean, look at the, the, 
just look at the propaganda that occurs with not to make this political but look at the the, the propaganda that that occurs with like fox news right anyone that watches exclusively fox news believes that the president has not been it the white house is free of any scandal the president hasn't done anything wrong i, I mean i'm not joking they they honestly believe that he is that is perfect that he's draining the swamp he's fulfilling all of his campaign promises he's he's literally saving women from slavery they believe they they believe this because this is the only thing that they are right. hearing this is the only information they're being exposed to so it's quite easy for an elder person who again is not does not have all their mental faculties about them and i don't know what his mental health is but at 95 years old it's definitely not the sharpest tool in the shed and so if you have the same three people saying no 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 look it just we're not making any money i don't get it no i don't get it it's weird yeah we need your blood yeah, I know it's weird, but we need it. If they're saying these things to him, he has no reason to not believe it because that is his universe of knowledge. Right. And so, and not only that, but he sees them as taking taking care of him. So then they can go to him like, look, look, the world's out to get us. Look at this media. Look how mean they are to us. They're trying to they're trying to besmirch your good name and say that you are old and 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 senile and being taken advantage of. And let's right. make a video saying that you're not. Right. This is what happens. And well, so yeah, most people don't believe that they're being taken advantage of or abused when they're being taken advantage of or abused. I mean, generally when that's happening if you knew that it was happening, you would stop it, right? It it's just that's the whole point of taking advantage of someone is they don't know it, right? Yeah. And, and, I mean, and that's how I mean, that's how elder abuse generally works. It's insidious and so, yeah, it's and, and so the way you can prevent it during life is you can get you. So the people that have standing to bring an elder abuse claim is the elder themselves, which pretty much never happens, unless I've seen it used. I've had a case before, or several cases before, where the other side is the one that's abusing the elder, and so they convince them to sue the kids that are trying to stop the abuse. I've seen that happen many times. Um, it's a fortunate reality, and it happens though. Um, but that that's generally if, if the elder is suing is generally they're suing the wrong person. Um, there are the, if they have a power of attorney, someone has power of attorney, they can of course sue as well um, because they can act as their legal representative. Uh, you can act as if you are that person, um, and trustee are the other person that's standing. No one else does, and so um, until they die, and then the successor and in interest can. Um, what you can do, though, if you're not one of those people, is you can, um, you can try to, you can seek a conservatorship of the person. Uh, yeah, it, it, sorry, that's the legal term. But it's also it's an apt description. You're you're seeking to, to conserve the person, be basically in charge of of them, and and unlike a power of attorney, in which a power of attorney, you you can act on their behalf, but they can still act on their own behalf. A conservatorship essentially is. They can't act on their own behalf anymore. You have to be the one acting because they don't have they they lack the ability to control their own actions and, and be able to to live on their own. Um, and and so you can seek that conservatorship. But the problem is anyone that seeks that conservatorship to protect Stan Lee from these people. I mean, these people already have the control they need. Mm-hmm. They don't need the conservatorship. So the only people that would want to get a conservatorship over him would be the people that are. And also, conservatorship has uh, constant court supervision. 
unlike if you're a trustee or what have you, you have to bring an action to, to bring the court's oversight. Right. Conservatorship, it is mandated. You know, the court will say, you know, every two months, every three months, every two years, you have to provide me an accounting to look over mm-hmm. your actions. They don't want that level of oversight. And so they're not going to bring it. The people that are going to bring conservatorship are going to be an outside actor, right? It's another interested person. Um, or even if there's no, right, it could even be Kevin Smith could be like, no, this is just not okay. Right. I, and so I'm going to initiate this conservatorship action. And, and I am going to get a professional fiduciary to act as the conservator. I'm not going to be the conservator, but I'll get someone else to. You can do that. But the problem is exactly what we're seeing with Stan Lee is that the elder will see that as an attack on themselves. Yeah. And they will fight it, and they, and they will be it will be manipulated in their mind to be they are suing, the, the person that's in their ear is going to say no they're suing you, and so then they take it personally, then they want to fight it, and so it becomes difficult to you know and it ruins relationships, right? Um, and and so that I I just think this is a good case to, to illustrate that purpose and you know to see see what happens. And, it's and... really difficult at the end of life if you have a bad actor trying to take advantage of someone who doesn't have all their faculties. I mean, it's just a really difficult situation. Yeah, and it's really easy too because towards the end of life, you know, like if you're a productive member of society, you're probably pretty busy and as much time as you want to spend with one person, you're not going to be able to spend all that time. Mm-hmm. But that person that's towards the end of the life wants, wants the company. And so it doesn't really matter who and whoever is gives them that company has way or not way has so much control over their lives, so much influence over them because they, they are the person giving them company. And, and so, yeah, it's, 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 it's very common for this type of activity to occur, not necessarily on this level of taking blood from an old person, but this happens all the time. I still don't quite understand. How did they get the blood? Did they, like withdraw blood from his physical body that's like an assault they would have had to yeah i mean i'm sure he gave him permission as i mean not it doesn't necessarily mean that it was legal consent because he if he lacks the capacity to give legal consent then then he can't but yeah i'm sure i'm sure it was you know if he's having this health scare maybe you know there's a nurse drawing blood and they're like hey here's 10 bucks draw an extra vial of blood from him like you know there's ways to get blood from people so (laughs) It just seems like none of them are good. No, none of them are. Is there anything else you want to mention about this case? Um, no, I just, I mean, if you've got someone, the thing is, if you have suspicions that an elder is being abused or manipulated, um, if someone moves into the house with them who wasn't around before and suddenly is spending money or it's that one person in your family who never had a job, all of a sudden they move in with them. It's best to try to address it sooner rather than later. So it's best to try to get conservator proceedings on now um, and talk to attorneys and um, get solutions sooner rather than later. Yeah. Well, and, and two, one of the things that scares a lot of people off, and I don't blame them, is the fact that so financial elder abuse, so they're coming in, they're spending the estate down, right? And so your concern is both for the elder, but also for your own inheritance. That's understandable. Mm-hmm. It's very human. The problem is, though, is let's say you file a conservatorship and it fails, or even if it succeeds, likely the, the conservator is going to change their estate to cut you out. 
right? And so right. now, you, and then when they die, you have to have a whole new legal proceeding to fight. Yeah. Now, now if you're successful in the conservatorship, it's easier to to overturn it because you have a court already ruling they lack capacity at that time. But at the same time, it's it's added money, added expense, and an added heartache that's not um, necessarily going to exist if you don't file a lawsuit or file for a conservatorship um, before their death. So it's, it's, it's a balancing act that you have to make a determination of. And, and again, it's essentially you're never going to see that person again, unless the conserv. I mean, if the conservatorship is granted, then you can, then you can mm-hmm. essentially cut the cancer out. Um, and which, what you need in California is two doctors to say that they don't have capacity. So, I mean, it's helpful if you already know you, a doctor would say that because that is, you know, that's fifty percent of the, the fight. All right. Well, let's move on to our next topic, which initially, when I saw the headline, I hadn't read the story yet. When I sent it over to Marissa, and we decided it'd be a topic. I just thought it, the headline made it sound interesting. So initially, we were going to have a discussion about the legal grounds itself, and you know, a, a discussion on that, and and we still can a little bit, but it's not as interesting as I first thought. Instead, I kind of want to use this story to talk about terrible <laughs> journalism writing about legal matters. So a federal court in California, utilizing California law, issued a decision to award $6.5 million in what's being called a revenge porn case. The article talks about it. It talks about how it sets precedent but also, the article is yeah. It nuts. says how it set how it sets precedent and how he and how um, um, it's different than, than a lot of cases because the woman, the victim, the plaintiff, um, knowing that her boyfriend was going to send these photos of her that she sent to him when they were in a long distance relationship, essentially got her breast copyrighted, um, and so. <laughs> Uh, Which was able... great legal advice. I don't know who gave that to her, but... But so she was able to successfully take down these posts from these websites by, by sending cease and desist letters um, based on copyright claims and to these websites. Um, and anyway, it, it, but they were saying, oh, it's a landmark case regardless because of the amount of money. But there's a few things. Can, oh, they were saying, but it's it's California law because there's no federal law that prohibits this, and, and you know, yada yada. But here's the problem: they said it's a federal court in California. They don't explain how that's how a federal court is ruling on a California matter. Now, I'm pretty sure it's through diversity jurisdiction that that occurred. That I think her boyfriend moved to Virginia, so they're no longer in the same state. So therefore, there's diversity jurisdiction, and so they can sue federal court. Um, also, copyright is generally a federal. Yeah, California, I mean, California can apply it as well, but it's, yeah. Um, but the article also mentions how she tried to file a criminal lawsuit, which is not a thing. I mean, it, it can be. Like copyright, for example, there are criminal penalties as well, and, and several other cl- several other claims. There's criminal penalties as well as civil penalties, so it's, it can be considered a criminal lawsuit. But when charges are brought against somebody, I mean, criminal... <laughs> There's not really a concept in the law of criminal lawsuit. It's just there's criminal penalties associated with certain civil actions. And so it makes no sense. The only person that can, if you want to call it criminally sue somebody, would be the DA or the state attorney. It's it's the state it's the state or the country that brings 
criminal proceedings to somebody, to a defendant, not not an individual. Um, and so it just it doesn't. So so it doesn't make sense. So there's just so much of the story that didn't make sense. So then I clicked through that to the LA Times story that they were summarizing, and they also they explained a little bit more. So it turns out this is a default case. It wasn't actually decided on the merits. Oh, another thing too is they said it, it brings precedent, but it's a lower court decision. There's no precedent with lower court's decisions. There's the first time there's precedent made is in federal court, or excuse me, not federal court, in the appellate court. That's the first time a precedent you can cite to that case. Um, you, you know, I can win, you know, a $3 million judgment against somebody and if they don't appeal it, that's not precedent. So, well, I mean, I guess to some extent I have seen in cases where people have said, and this kind of award was granted before, right? When you're talking about damages. Well, I, do that. I do that. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess in that way, it, but there, the term precedent is misleading and idiotic yeah. and not explained too. I mean, it just, it's just sitting there. And, and so people are probably like, oh, wow, you can, you can successfully sue and all this stuff. So you click through the, to the LA Times article, still confused. They still don't really explain everything. But they explained it was a default judgment, which means the defendant never actually showed up. And that they were making – oh, and, and sorry, again, the original article cited to the California um, revenge porn law that was passed in 2014. And that's how they won. So then the LA Times – article talks about how it was a default judgment which means the defendant never answered so it wasn't decided on its merits the court if you don't answer you can get a default against the defendant and the default means the court doesn't even look at whether or not you had a proper cause of action you win automatically the only thing the court considers is whether or not the damages you're requesting is reasonable and if they are then they'll award it but default judgments are very easy to set aside. It's not like it's it's some big win or anything like that. I, I just, last week I set aside a default. So, ha I mean, it happens fairly easily um, because the court's default is to, sorry, pardon the pun, uh, <laughs> but the court's, the court wants the matter to be cited on the merits, not on someone screwing up somewhere. And so the fact that I think her, her ex-boyfriend who's doing this lives in Virginia, you know, probably thought that, oh, I'm, I don't, I don't have to worry about this because I'm, uh, you know, I live in Virginia and she's suing me in California. Good luck enforcing this judgment. You know, I wasn't expecting $6.5 million and probably is now going to talk to an attorney about this and figure it out. And, you know, his name's in national publications. So I'm sure he's going to want to figure, <laughs> figure it out. Um, and, uh, but yeah, so it, it's not... I would not be surprised if the default could set aside and, and then so we actually look at an analysis of of her cause of action, right? And so first we have to look at whether or not or what the basis of the damages were. And so $450,000 was awarded in copyright violation for disseminating photos and videos of her breasts, which were copyrighted. Um, <laughs> and then there was $3 million in compensatory damages for her severe emotional distress and then $3 million in punitive damages because of what they described as stalking and, and something else. I can't remember the other basis for punitive damages because punitive damages aren't awarded automatically. Basically your behavior has to be so egregious that the court is inclined to award punitive damages in order to uh, curtail that type of behavior, both in yourself and, and other people. Oh, it's stalking and online impersonation with the intent to cause harm. Yeah, and so part of that was she he started 
OkCupid profiles with her pictures and pretending to be her and then giving her actual photographs uh, or using her photographs but giving her actual address and actual phone number and telling I mean, pe- people to send photos to her. This is like, um, that takes a lot of time, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, so the basis, though, it's still confusing what the basis of the claim was. And, and people keep citing, in all the articles we saw, they kept citing to this California revenge porn statute. The problem is this Which is... Which was just enacted like a year or so ago. Yeah, twenty four. And they're saying that it, it had some effect on this case. But, but we looked into it, and that's a penal code statute. And what that means yeah. is that it's not an actual cause of action under the civil code. Uh, or the, uh, Yeah, and so... We're thoroughly confused, and my guess is that it's a default judgment, and that they basically said this is a vision of privacy case, and they tried to bootstrap this criminal um, statute to to create a new cause of action, essentially a new or a new prong of an invasion of privacy um, uh, uh, cause of action. Because invasion of privacy is a big umbrella for a lot of stuff, and we've talked before about the public disclosure of private fact, but that's based upon a criminal statute itself, and so. It's, it's possible that was their argument, but the fact of the matter is that the court didn't actually decide that because the court didn't analyze it. So, Marissa, let's assume the court does, that this defendant does move to have the default judgment set aside and is successful in doing so and then files a, a uh, demur against this um, complaint. When demur means that there's the cause of action or the facts that you've alleged would not lead to you succeeding on the causes of action that you've also alleged. Um, just from the outset, like basically you didn't allege sufficient facts. Do you think that the demur would be successful? Well, I mean, like we said, there's a few different at- causes of action. So in terms of copyright infringement, I don't, I mean, she copyrighted it. And then if he continued to, it would have to be after she copy wrote her breasts he continued to um, disseminate her information. I, is there any rule where you can't copyright body parts? I have, I have no idea. I, uh, yeah. I mean, the I copyright mean, issue, I, I'm not completely familiar with, so I, I can't really speak to that at all. As long as you can copyright your body parts and your image, then... And I think you can, because wasn't there... Someone was talking... There was a lawsuit a while ago about um, a celebrity copywriting their basically themselves yeah you know there's also um i'm blanking on the term right now but yeah there's you that's part of the right to uh invasion of privacy is you have your right to, to your person so someone can't use you to game to get monetary gain right um and so she didn't even necessarily have to file the copyright to get that protection now Generally speaking, it's about the notoriety, right? So you can't say Kobe Bryant loves loves Sprite unless you have an endorsement deal from Kobe Bryant. You know, you can't put a picture of Kobe Bryant with right. a Photoshop Sprite can in because you're using his likeness. You can't use a person's likeness or name so, or trade on their name and stuff. But there has to be a certain notoriety attached to that person. So, like, in theory. Um, but, but I mean, that's why you see people blurred out in, in the background of... of actually, right. I, I might be wrong about the notoriety part because you see people blurred out in... in yeah. In, reality shows because you can't you, you have can't to get their consent yeah. yeah so i mean it seems like yeah um for him using her image probably 
um, he's not allowed to do that. So uh, I don't think he could demur that. And then severe emotional distress. Um, I assume that's intentional infliction of emotional distress. That can be. I mean, that would be the cause of action of his IIED. Um, what are the... Do you know the... Unfortunately, I don't uh, have It's that. something like... It, it, it's like an intentional... Something about purposely trying to cause emotional distress to someone. I mean, it seems like he was intentionally trying to cause her emotional distress. <laughs> I mean, if yeah. he's actively um, creating profiles and having people send her um, their dick pics. So it's, I mean, it's slightly different than that. So it's okay. the defendant acted intentionally or recklessly and the defendant's conduct was extreme and outrageous and the defendant's act in the cause of distress, oh, excuse me, the defendant's act is the cause of distress and plaintiffs suffer severe emotional distress as a result of defendant's conduct. So most of the time, well, go ahead with what you were going to say. Well, so I was just going down those elements. I guess the question is, was it extremely, What what's the second element? It's extreme or outrageous. Extreme or outrageous. I mean, it seems pretty extreme or out and outrageous to me just off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, and so, obviously that's going to take a lot of like doctors to say that she did actually have emotional distress from it, but that would survive a demur, I think. Yeah. And so again, this doesn't have anything to do with, with the revenge porn law. So I'm very confused about why the revenge porn law is being cited. I have no idea. And, and by the way, the, here's the elements of the revenge porn law, which is that the first one is there's an intimate picture or video of a, of a person to it's an identifiable person too. So I, I don't know if that means their face has to be in it. So if their face is not in there or if I guess from their body parts, you can identify them, I guess that would also be, but anyway, <clears throat> two, you intentionally distributed. Um, and in this case, both those elements are made, made of course. And the mm -hmm. third is there was an understanding that the image slash video was to remain private. And in this case, she's just sending they're in a long distance relationship, so she's just sending them for his own benefit. It doesn't actually have to be explicit. I think there's it can be a presumption that it's not to be shared with everyone. Um, for you know or should know, distribution will cause the person serious emotional distress. In this case, that was his intention, so it's not like clearly yeah. that was his intention. Yeah. And five, the person suffers. It does in fact suffer serious emotional distress. So if this was a a cause of a civil cause of action. She would have a claim. Yeah. Definitely have a claim. It's just. Perhaps they're using that criminal um, statute to say it was extreme and outrageous behavior because it violates the law. That's, I mean, that's that's true. That, so that can be. maybe I mean, it doesn't have to be a violation of the law. Though, no, but... but maybe that's like, you know, one of the of course it was extreme and outrageous. It's actually illegal. Like um, maybe, you know, it's a factor they're using to say why it was extreme and outrageous i mean yeah that's that's a good point it's just no again, one's so explained that i'm just guessing because no, they keep bringing yeah. up the statute but no one's explaining what has to do with anything and no one even explained what cause of action <laughs> they brought right yeah. so again so so yeah iied this seems to fit that you know the, it, it, there's several causes of action this could potentially fit and it's it's strange that they just don't explain it at all
Well, yeah, and they bring up a criminal statute, which isn't it, – it could be affecting the lawsuit in some way, but it's certainly not what the money was for. Yeah, it, it seems like a way to get clicks, to be perfectly honest. Um... And or, or maybe they didn't totally understand. The lawyer was also saying, though, that this is like a landmark revenge. But the lawyer wants to get their name in the papers, so right. of course they're going to say that. Well, I just... and, and she was represented pro bono by a group who um, specifically does this. They – file lawsuits on behalf of women who have are victims of revenge porn um or men too i would assume it would be for men too and so that's their thing so they're definitely trying to get out there they're trying to create precedent they're so they're gonna toot their horn and say that this is precedent and it is going to change things because that's what they want to have happen that makes well, they sense they also want they also want women to come forward to them so they get yep. new clients so there's yep. there's all, all these reasons to to be slightly misleading not even slightly they're being fairly misleading about this but um by not fully explaining what's actually happening i think they're being misleading but i mean there's ways yeah that you can bootstrap to get fairly significant civil recovery for for revenge porn it just it's not really is not directly have to do with the criminal statute though like you could what because Cal, this is california law right that doesn't mean you can't sue somebody in virginia just because that's where they they were but like in virginia state court because virginia also has iid you can right. still sue for iid you just don't, and it's still the analysis is the same you just don't get to look at well see even we outlawed it but again that doesn't actually go into the analysis that's just something you can point to to help you right. so it, it's just yeah, I just, I don't understand. It just seems to muddle everything up. And, and I think I get bothered a lot when I read journalists or bloggers, as Jezebel is, uh, struggle with writing um, a report about a lawsuit. It's just, it, you know, small things can irk me. Just, you know, if you have intimate knowledge about something and someone blows something that's fairly like common knowledge in the community, that's annoying. And, you know, sometimes a little bit more complex things I'll, I'll also get annoyed at if they mess it up. But, you know, I, I'm more forgiving. But this article, both the summary of the LA Times article and also the LA Times article itself were just so poorly written. It was just infuriating. And so that's that's why I wanted to talk about that app and more than the legal analysis yeah. itself. But... Well, I mean, they very specifically misunderstood what the basis of the lawsuit was which is i mean you... we still don't even know they didn't really i mean we're we're figuring it out likely like what would we have done essentially why we're assuming, but like we still have no idea if that's true maybe they did just sue on this lawsuit or just sue on this criminal statute and that was it and then they're just like well we're done like we we have no idea because they didn't actually explain anything and that's that's you know not great journalism if i've read two articles about this both national publications and I still don't even know what's happening yeah alright so last one is our last topic I should say um, not leaving the sex topic um, so the Republicans right now have <laughs> a real <laughs> I was going to use this term anyway but it's a, it's a pun have a real hard on and, and sorry kids listening about um, sex trafficking right now. And look, sex trafficking, actual sex trafficking is a horrible thing. You know, you have these young Absolutely. girls being sold into slavery to be sex slaves. And that is obviously cruel beyond words. We are in 2018. And 
you would think that society as a whole would move on, but this happens in the United States quite frequently. Um, the numbers, if you ever look into it, uh, are staggering and just make you weep. Um, it happens. And so there's nothing wrong with pursuing um, justice for these girls and women and trying to prevent this from occurring. There's nothing wrong with that. So I don't want, I, I don't want to come across as being in favor of sex trafficking. <laughs> Unfortunately, the Republicans, like with a great many things, are using a valid issue to try to moralize everything else, right? So they've just, President Trump just signed into law a um, bill that is, um, that's the House and the Senate had two different names for it. So I, I mean, the I think it was the Senate's name was F-O-S-T-A. I don't know what it stands for, but essentially it's to criminalize discussion of sex sex trafficking um but really what this is having the effect of doing and and so it holds people that post online uh you know essentially about sex trafficking or, or relating to um, the act of sex trafficking criminal as well as websites that host those publications um, liable for criminal penalties the problem of course is that they wrote it so broad that it primarily is going to punish prostitutes um, and other sex workers because they, of course, and it's, instead of being on the street, they tend, you know, prostitutes now, and it's much safer, can mm -hmm. can um, post listings online on Craigslist, was very famous for this, and, um, and, and so they could, you know, basically verify identity and, and get payment and lead, um, meet at a safe location much safer for them, much safer for everyone. And now Craigslist can be criminally liable as can the prostitutes if they if they do this. So now they have no safe haven to actually go apply their trade or to get to get clients and slash customers. And so you're probably gonna likely see them back in the street and in dangerous situations yet again. Um, this is a problem, of course. Do you agree with that assessment? Yeah, I mean, I think if you take away safe spaces for people to do sex work, then they will do sex work in unsafe spaces. Yeah. And and so what's ended up happening, of course, is since this is, once it passed both the House and the Senate, it was clear that President Trump was going to sign it. So you had Craigslist just purge their personal ads um, entirely. You have all these websites are now changing their terms of service um, to try to avoid penal or penalty, and you have all these prostitutes and sex workers not posting online anymore. Um, now, so that so that's the effect of what's happening with this law. And, and of course, prostitution isn't legal, so this is uh, in most areas, and especially not under federal law. So I don't think Republicans particularly care and probably purposely did, uh, wrote this law to be... To be um, they probably blood. use more prostitutes than the Democrats do. Well, well they definitely do. But <laughs> the hypocrisy um, is just ridiculous. Yeah. And so um, it is. But I think the issue that when I first read what this law was, because I was reading, you know, online about how terrible this law was and how it was affecting sex workers, but I didn't really read into it that much. And until preparing for this podcast, and then the first thing that struck stuck out to me after reading kind of what it does is how is this constitutional? 
Yeah, I mean, this is not the first time that um, someone has tried to hold um, um, platforms liable for the content on the platform. It's, I mean, this has been going on. This has been a fight forever. People sued Google, saying Google should be liable if uh, Google search results um, turn up something that's illegal. And that has been largely struck down across the board that uh, a neutral provider of information is not liable for the content on their site. So I don't see how this gets held up. I don't, I don't see. Yeah. From the website perspective. Also, it seems to be a yeah. violation of your first amendment right in general. I mean, so you have, there's the right, or excuse me, there's a problem with I think it's fourth amendment issue is what we're talking about with, um, with the website because they're just platform holder. They're not actually doing anything themselves. And so it's, it's, you can't criminally penalize them. Um, as much as sometimes, you know, I was talking about Facebook be before, you know, the discussion about Facebook, I was like, well, we should hold them liable. And, and, and they're slightly different because they're actually, um, Facebook is slightly different because they get paid for a lot of this, bad stuff right so they're getting money out of it like that's how um god what's that company called anyway the the trump one that caused all the senate hearings and all this that's how that's that's what got them in trouble and i think they, that could be regulated and they can't get in trouble because they're accepting money and so they are it's actually part of their official platform but just a forum where people can post about stuff which is what craigslist is that's it's, not yeah and this issue has been litigated before so i'm not sure like why they think that it's gonna work this time yeah and, and also like so then, and, and, and to be fair, I haven't actually looked at the text of the law itself to see how they define like the communication and, and what, you know, they constitute sex trafficking and, and talking about sex trafficking. But, you know, if I were to post on Twitter, like, wow, I, you know, this is BS, you know, we should be allowed to have as much, you know, sex trafficking as we want. You know, I personally enjoy sex trafficking. Like, is that, obviously I wouldn't say that but is that enough to get me arrested because if so that's an obvious violation of my first amendment right because i actually haven't done anything illegal you're just silencing my viewpoint on sex trafficking and so it, they're really and this is quite common under you know uh, um, conservative controlled um government is they are running straight at the first amendment and saying nah that doesn't matter and and you know because there's a moral impurity in our society that we have to fix and the only way to fix it is by silencing people um that's just seems like what's happening here but again to be well, fair yeah, i've not read the text know, it's just i'm basing this off of the history go ahead not every a lot of people are lawyers who are senators but not all of them are is it possible they don't understand the legal implications well and just because you're a politician that you know, as a lawyer, means that you understand or particularly care. I mean, an example, I won't even use the Republican this time. An example is President Obama was a lawyer and a constitutional law professor at a law school. You know, he was on Harvard Law Review. He greenlit spying on his own people, knowing full well that was not allowed. Right? Yeah. He knew that. And he knew that was happening and he didn't particularly care. So just because you're a lawyer and understand what's legal, not legal, or constitutional, not constitutional, doesn't necessarily mean you're going to abide by that. It's true. So, yeah. yeah. But, but yeah, I think 
But I mean, also, like, how many of these people do you think went to law school specifically for them to become politicians? Right, and I get that. But you you would think also, whenever a law was proposed, you would have somebody who understood the area look at it and and talk about the constitutionality of it. Because why do all this work and then have the law thrown out in the courts, you know? Because they get to have this big, like show that they care about women that's like true. how much we care about women by criminalizing and arresting them that's true that's true i mean that's that's why they're doing so it. i mean this is it. all politics anyway it's probably not going to be upheld it's, yeah that's that's my feeling it's uh look how much we care about all the sex trafficking victims which is like i agree with you a little bit i get a little frustrated because um it's like a hot it's like the cool thing to care about right now and obviously i do care and sex trafficking is terrible but it's become like the posh thing to care about. It seems like, which the, something about that specifically, me. but specifically for conservatives. Yeah. Like, I, and, and I don't, I genuinely believe that they think that they care about this issue and, and care about the sex slaves specifically. I just think that they also see consider prostitution in general and sex workers in general as part of that problem. Yeah. And, and they see it more as a moral, like Ill, uh, immoral sex, I think is, mainly what they see as the problem not necessarily the slavery part unfortunately and I, I not to say i mean that's not fair either i think but I, I but there has to be a reason why all conservatives see this as as you said like in 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 vogue issue and and the only thing i come up with is the thing, same thing they've always hated which is immoral sex so that's that that's why i assume that but that's not i mean sex sex trafficking is sex slavery and it's terrible and it should be outlawed and it should be you know, we should do everything in our power to get rid of it. Absolutely. So I'm not going to begrudge them of that. And, and that's why I've never mocked them for it, nor will I ever really mock them for it. But, you know, when you're doing it as ham-fested as this and, you know, seemingly purposely trying to, again, punish women because they're having, in your mind, immoral sex, that's... Right. It's ridiculous, and you become the villain again, so... Especially if you, Senator, who supports this, have taken part in prostitution then it's really annoying to me well like the president of the united states for example that's been well documented in the past <laughs> few months is is participating in prostitution yeah of course he is no i mean i mean that's what stormy daniels was it wasn't like some some like it wasn't like she was like oh donald you're oh, so she attractive. was paid he, yeah she was paid but she he gave her a condo and like a car or something like that that's really? what he gave her yes it was prostitution this, it wasn't like how, that's why also I don't understand why we're keep talking about it as if it's an affair like no he paid for sex he paid another porn star for sex too well he this is what he does like anyway so that's again I don't understand the hand ringing over this anyway <laughs> it's the hypocrisy that we were mocking earlier so um okay well that's all we have um for this week unless you have anything else you want to add nope all right well I think we'll be back next Friday yeah okay so until then uh we'll talk to you guys later uh hopefully hopefully marissa won't be sad and the Cavs haven't been swept out of the playoffs by then but oh, we'll see please we'll please see. <laughs> until next time <laughs>